0: Oh uh, well we're live i thought we were going to be live on Wrigley's page but we're having a problem so go ahead there josh sorry
1: all right we're back with the texas oil and gas podcast we appreciate you tuning in live today to episode 196 196 ryan we have another five star rating and review so we're getting uh getting some good some good reviews coming in you look confused over there, Ryan. What's going on? Yeah, buddy? I,
0: I thought we were going to be live on the Ricklings page, but we're having a slight technical problem here. So apologies to that. I don't know what the, uh, what the deal is, but anyways, go ahead. Josh.
1: Well, uh, so like I mentioned, we do have a five star rating and review that has come in. Let You read that real quick. I believe it's from Greg. Greg Williams, he said the takes, the banner, and the overall quality. A. I'm going to insert a little plus there. A plus. A plus. A plus, obviously. A plus. A plus. Uh, appreciate a plus. that, Greg. Um, so, uh, Ryan, what's that put us at? How many five stars? Are we Are we close to 400 yet?
0: Well, no, we've got th- uh,
1: uh, 99. 99 to go.
0: 9 to go. So, um, we are cruising along. And apologies about the, the, the rig links thing. We'll get that fixed between now and next week i'm not sure that's bugging me but anyways um okay that being said joshua um let me just point out our sponsor the warrior newsletter and you know, we will give you guys our listeners a great discount can't find anywhere else uh, i think it's 30 percent off the monthly price or the yearly price uh, we'll link to it in the show notes we have all kinds of commentary that comes out there weekly and and because you're supporting this show and the newsletter Get enough of you, we might actually bring back the one, the only Nathan Hanson. Someone the other day sent me a thing, said, "Bring back Nate. Screw Nate. What about Stephanie?" Well, Stephanie is around. She is on a she. She sent me a note last night. She's uh broke her phone or something, so she's gonna be uh, MIA for a week or two. But she'll be back uh, in the saddle here before too long. We don't pay Stephanie. She's an intern, right?
1: Yeah. Damn. Yep. Highest paid intern in oil and gas. The most respected, obviously. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it's, it's uh, she gets to ear the president. Um, you know, that, uh, that, that counts for something.
0: She gets to work with two of the most brilliant minds the world has ever known. And so that alone is her payment.
1: Well, uh, Ryan, there's a story that they came out on March 14th, which, uh, I, I found to be interesting. I, I wanted to get your take on it. So, Uh, fed. So this is a story of, about Abbott. Uh, fed said migrants would be held in Midland migrants to be held in Midland. Um, he appeared on Fox news channel, uh, Sunday. Um, and he, uh, said that some Texas officials were surprised to learn around nine 30 Saturday night that migrants are going to be, uh, sent to Midland. Uh, no other details that are out yet, but, uh, it's interesting that, uh, some of our friends out in the oil patch may have uh, a few buddies coming to visit them here.
0: Yeah. I don't, yeah, I saw that. I don't really understand. So why, why Midland? Any, any, any reason for
1: that? That's what I was wondering. I'm, I'm, i I'm, I'm guessing uh, there might just be some capacity or opportunities there um, with some of the slowdown. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's a good question.
0: Yeah, I don't either. I have no idea. I saw that story. I wondered about it as, uh, as well. It's a, it's kind of a weird, Yes. Yeah, so if you're out in Midland have a kind of insight on what's going on, let us know, but no, I don't really have, I, I, I saw it too. And I was kind of like you just kind of, okay, that's, that's weird, but whatever.
1: So, yeah. And just, uh, just to, to pick up on this a little bit. So there's been some conflicting reports that I've seen um, on one hand, I've heard that there is a pretty major crisis at the border with uh, a lot of people trying to cross now because they're a little more favorable toward immigrants, obviously, with, uh with the biden administration than say compared to trump inter- uh, administration but i've also heard from other people that it's really not as much as they're being cracked up to be that it's a lot of uh, a lot of people on the right trying to overplay it you know politics uh kind of just politics 101 so i'm really not certain what's going on uh so it could be a lot more people going to midland than we think or it could be a lot less it may not be that much of a you know, that big of a deal so uh, any insights like like you said ryan we'd love to anybody that knows about it. Uh,
0: yeah. You know, you mentioned politics. So we got the story here about the, uh, the Texas GOP lawmakers push bill to punish wall street for fossil fuel de- disinvestments. This one I thought was interesting. So if I understand this right, Josh, the Texas governor, uh, go- uh, government is going to punish wall street companies that divest their
1: oil and gas interest. Right yeah yeah i was I was a little shocked when I saw it honestly like so so the pension funds
0: so so the taxpayers are paying for these the teachers and these people to go to work right and so then the pension funds um, are a result of that revenue um, and so then they're invested and so now the the lawmakers are saying, well if you don't invest in oil and gas. Oil and gas, or you di- dis- uh, di- uh, divest your oil and gas assets, then we're going to punish you. The question would be: Is is what if those assets are actually performing better? And I know right now the energies or stocks are pretty good, but what if you, let's say you bought Bitcoin. Let's say the pension point was was all in for Bitcoin from a year ago. It was in you know it had Exxon, Oxy, and then a year ago it sold all that and it bought Bitcoin. Well, Bitcoin went from you know three, on when you got it, three, five, seven thousand up to sixty thousand. Well, that would be a smart move. That would have been a smart move. So I don't know why I understand the I understand the kind of the thought process
1: behind it, but this is just—it's ah. bizarre, isn't it? <sighs> well, so here's here's a question I have. So what they're saying is uh, essentially, I guess, that these companies have a certain benchmark that they have to hit. These energy companies, mm-hmm. if these people divest, then these companies aren't going to be able to reach those benchmarks. So are they saying that they have some responsibility to meet these contractual obligations? Well, that's what I don't understand um, with h- how this is being framed, because if I go buy a stock and I want to sell it, there's there should be no, no penalty. Now, if I, if I go in as a, um, I, I guess, if I bear some responsibility as a startup by investing in a company and we have certain contracts that we have to meet, if I divest those contracts and it prevents us from meeting those quota, um, I don't know. That's a sure. it's an interesting question.
0: Okay, but let's just tease this out here. So let's say that you know you own two percent of Exxon stock, which would be a mm-hmm. tremendous amount, right? And you're yep. the manager of a big, big hedge fund, and you say, you know, we're going green, we don't want to invest in Exxon anymore, and you sell it. So you sell two percent of Exxon stock, um, and that's and, and so then so Exxon stock theoretically could start to sell off, right? Which means that people that find value at Exxon stock at the price that it was, or the, the new price it is, we'll then buy Exxon stock. That's right. So people will, so the price would either go back up or, or, you know, the, the sell off would up at some point. So I don't, I don't understand. I think I get what they're thinking, but to me, it's a very slippery slope because at some point you're going to have, so this is replaced the, the, the parts here. Let's say that, um, you know, New York was punishing uh, these funds, these pension funds um, that were using, that were investing in companies that were investing in oil and gas companies, right? So it's the opposite way. So if you're if you have oil and gas, they're making you sell it. It's like, well, wh- wow, what if the oil and gas is making the returns? So using the government to deter- to try to 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 push the market, whether it's for what we like or what we don't like, is is not a good thing because it will be weaponized and used against you somewhere else. And so, yeah. Uh, If I listen, if these guys are going to sell these stocks and make them cheaper for me to buy, I'm not mad. I'll buy them at the price point, and then when the stock price goes back up, I'll make money.
1: Yeah, so um, I mean, this is this is kind of the 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 issue that you get in left and right politics. Instead of actually doing the right thing, you just do the reactionary thing. So if you uh, just to kind of clarify here, um, there's been a bit a push for companies to. emphasize climate and we had a guy on last week talking about ESG um that uh, that there's been this push for companies to stop investing in oil and gas so essentially this is a counter bill to divest from people who are against fossil fuels so if they're gonna if they're gonna boycott fossil fuels let's boycott the boycotters essentially by and, state mandate though that's the difference yes right by state mandate that, that's that that therein lies the issue that they're trying to mandate stuff on their end and the rights coming back and mandating on their end, instead of letting the market actually play itself out. Um, that's, that's typically the way it goes. You know, I think uh, if you, if you start looking at um, the, the responses typically from the left and right, rather than, rather than try to think through the principles of the free market, which is simply the rights going to respond to the left with, essentially the same thing just in a different area you know uh, that that.
0: yeah and it it has to do with i think the the pain tolerance if you will so we see the left um you know if you're on the right you see the left kind of collectively uh, organizing putting pressure on the things that you like uh, the things that you enjoy the things that you think are important and they're able to make headwinds on that and you know the reality here is from the the, the, if the right was consistent in how they handled legislative agendas, they might actually make some progress. But instead, they just play the same game that the left does, and so then you find yourself, you know, battling over whether or not you know we should, you know, um, fund these companies or whatnot. Take, take, take North Face for example. I don't know if you saw this or not. The Colorado Association of Oil and Gas, or I can't remember their exact name. I apologize, but they gave North Face the like Vendor of the Year award or something because you remember North face wouldn't sell to oil and gas companies, So they they gave them the vendor or oil and gas company or some kind of award spoofing them. And I thought that was, I thought that was brilliant. I thought it was great because here you are. And and so some local news channel I saw covered the story and they read the press release and the press release was like, well, you know, uh, North face, (laughs) despite the fact that North face uses all petroleum products, so like their whole message about what they, you know, the hypocrisy of North face was there in the press release. And the news read it and so people who are like aren't aware that north face is using oil and gas stuff they're now aware and so i thought that was a brilliant play to use against north face and so if they don't want to sell to oil and gas companies well okay that's that's their own fault, or you know whatever but we're also going to you know use the market to push back on them so no one's making north face sell to us or you, you know oil and gas companies but no no one's stopping these guys from giving them an award for being clowns and they didn't call them clowns they gave them like the Again, it was like the company year award because all their products are on gas base. So they're <laughs> so I thought I thought that was a brilliant move on um um on their part. So
1: yeah, it's much better than trying to get the state to pass a law that says that they can't do that.
0: Exactly. 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 Okay, let's see here. Um, Joshua. Um, we have on a guest, let's see if we can get him in uh Let me do this and then this. Uh, Cody, are you there?
2: I am. Good morning, guys.
0: Good morning, Cody. Why don't you give a quick 30-second introduction for folks uh, so they know who you are and your company and a and, uh, little, bit, little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah. So my name is Cody Rozier. Uh, I'm the, the founder of a company called Zalamo Corporation. A um, little bit about me. I've been in safety for several years now and was in production prior to that. And uh, didn't like the way that the safety world was going and the security of facilities and uh, just saw a lot of gaps and holes and a lot of things and so I decided to to do something a little bit different. Uh, I got tired of watching companies pilfer and pillage and plunder and uh, decided I'd start something to do something a little bit different.
0: yeah well, it's been a <laughs> it's been an interesting year because I'm, I'm curious you know from kind of what you've seen, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of in this weird spot right now because uh, a year ago in a week or something like that, the Saudis and the Russians kind of started their whole thing. Of course, uh, the lockdowns and stuff were kind of um, rebounded from that. So kind of walk us through from your perspective what you guys have seen in the oil and gas industry this this past year.
2: So there's and there's so many parts to that. Uh, so oil and gas nationally, oil and gas globally. Um, and by the way, forgive the attire, I didn't know we were video chatting in uh until the
0: oh, look, man, look at look, look at that. I mean, I'm wearing my fishing <laughs> shirt,
2: so you're cool, you're cool. It's, yeah, it's I mean, I'll just show up, at my, my peach fuzz going and all, but um, so oil and gas over the past year, so it, man, that's been a unique one. Um, mostly because people didn't realize we're so detached from reality, people didn't realize how much we depended on oil mm-hmm. uh drilling products even even in our plastics and in our processing plants um, and i don't say uh, over the past year what i saw that was very unique is there were a lot of companies that couldn't they couldn't buy work i mean they just they couldn't find it mm-hmm. but then you would find other companies in the same business same sector same everything just a different company and they couldn't keep up that was one thing i saw that was very unique the Uh, production, other than that one unique spot where we were negative 20 or $30 a barrel. um, Other than that, nothing really slowed down. Uh, The only difference is the maintenance and the turnarounds. Uh, They just kept running. They said, Hey, look, we, we can't stop. Uh, We can't bring people in and we're going to try to show profits instead of losses and just keep running. And, and that's probably what I saw more than anything is is facilities just kind of not doing the maintenance that, ne- that they needed to do and just keep running. So a lot of these facilities showed profits when they really weren't there. They were just fake numbers and, and shifting some things around.
0: Right. Well, that's one of the things that we've kind of talked about on the show a little bit is um, you know, when the when the budgets are kind of blown out and it's a hundred dollars barrel, you know, companies have money to, to kind of spend wherever they want. When prices are cheap, they start trimming. Have you guys seen that there's been a maybe a, a tendency to kind of cut the fat on safety, or do companies do a good job of that? How have they managed kind of the safety aspect of the industry? Because I mean, prices did go negative, but they were low for a long period of time last year. Uh, did we sacrifice safety in the process?
2: I would agree with that. I, I, what I saw was facilities and and some of the contracting companies. They were more worried about navigating through the pandemic and navigating through COVID than they were about field safety. And that was, that was unique to me. Uh, You know, whenever they came out and said that getting sick at work and it being work related was recordable and getting COVID at work was recordable. There was more emphasis on wearing masks and who should, who shouldn't taking temperature readings where you can come in, where you can't having a policy, how, and they completely forgot about what was going on in the field. And so, from an injuries stance there definitely an uptick in injuries and and things happening because they shifted their focus it went into how do we stay afloat how do we keep paying the bills and how do we keep people working through this covid
0: yeah and so that, yeah that, that is kind of an interesting dynamic is that the you know historically when you think about safety it's you know out there in the field where things can get dangerous or in the shop you know where there's a lot of tools but right. Going to the office, it's kind of the the safe environment. I mean, you know, things can't happen there, but but seeing the focus um, go to the office is something I haven't really considered because, you know, we had people working at home, but then you did have people at COVID. So um, have you seen that shift back now as, you know, Texas is starting to open back up? Is it kind of back to the field focus, prices are back up, or is it still kind of folks aren't really clear? Because I know from the, the legislative standpoint, it's not exactly sure, um, you know, how some of this COVID stuff will work out as far as, you know,
2: company uh, companies' responsibilities. So not yet. There's there's some unique pieces, and I've been saying this since June of last year, that if we didn't get back up and running by March, we're going to be in a bad spot in our nation. When you look at the things that we have in surplus and supply, let's talk about the uh, food and beverage market by itself. Um, We have depleted our six month supply. Our reserves they're gone um and, and we're trying everything we can do can do to keep up uh, on average i think i think the number is 40 something 42 percent something like that but we're only producing 40 something percent of what we were producing outside of covid so we have a reduction of, of almost 60 percent in production our consumption is the same we've burnt through our stockpile Well, now, if we don't lift some of these COVID restrictions from a safety standpoint and figure out how to do it and do it right and do it well and get people back to work without getting sick, if we can't figure that out, we're about to have a major decline in the ability to get soft drinks, bottled water, some of the food, the things that the FDA requires to to process because they don't have filtration. They don't have gaskets, they don't have bolts and they can't get the people back in to make it fast enough to have a reserve. So I think that if we don't shift. We're going to have some challenges in that space and, and look at the the power outage that we had, you know, when they cut natural gas to all the plants in the Gulf Coast area. Let's shut these plants down. So now you're going to have a major issue just getting plastic. You know, some of the different things that go into the, the even the food and the plastics to to keep them good in the fridge for what we have come to enjoy and take as almost take as a requirement of life. Some of that stuff is just not going to be there so we're going to start having these shortages um that if we can't figure out how to do this right and get back to work that, that they're going to have to shift they don't have a choice or they're going to not do business i mean with with all that going
1: on um i mean when do you think that they're going to start feeling the pain of of having been shut down for so long because i mean it A couple of months to me, it it, it should have been aware of what was going on, but it seems that a lot of the people, especially uh, in the legislative and administration of uh, people making all the decisions, they seem to be completely ignorant of the consequences of these decisions that they're making. They're trying to protect people that are out in the field um, is what they're saying, but they don't realize that what they're actually doing is endangering millions and millions of people, um,
2: not only here in, in this country, but also across the world. Yeah man they're they're too disconnected. Yeah. I wish I could I wish I could dive into that and have some great lengthy conversation but the reality is every politician that I've come across and meet and deal with they're entirely too disconnected. When they get to that area where they're making decisions and being part of the decision making process the amount of time it takes to get to that position I mean I'll give you myself as an example. You know being a business owner I don't go out in the field very often anymore. You just you don't get you don't have the luxury of doing it. it's all business meetings and making decisions and uh, growing opportunities and business development and sitting behind a computer. And I was actually talking to a good friend of mine the other day. I said, man, I'm seriously contemplating going and applying for a job as a helper in a plant somewhere and go (laughs) go get a job as a helper for six months just to remember the pain points of going to work, you know, remembering all the reasons that we started this company and, and not just being a black and white image in my head of something I vaguely remember. I think they're just too dis- disconnected. They don't see the reality of the pains that we're going through. And uh, and the timeline for when they're actually going to see it's probably going to be well, after it's too late. You look, when you look at politicians that that say things such as, why do we need cows when we get beef at the grocery store? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what do you what do you do with that? I mean, how, how do you talk reason into it? Why, how do you how do you explain to them how important it is for us to get our processing plants back up? How do you explain it? They're so disconnected. It, you know, I heard I heard somebody say uh, that a cow creates as much pollution as a car or something like that. And I, uh, somebody told me, lock yourself in a garage with a cow and a running car. And you tell me which one works out better for you. You know, just there's they're just too disconnected. I mean, you look at the past administration. Well, excuse me, administration before last, uh, you know, when they when they wanted to know why we weren't doing enough for the cattle guards in the Wyoming and Montana area, uh, why we had so many cattle guards Um uh, and what were their purposes? And they wanted to, to retrain the cattle guards instead of letting them go before they ever realized that it was a road crossing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, th- these are real <laughs> things, you know, and, and when you, when you see stuff like that, they're so disconnected. It's no, re- it's no wonder that they don't have a clue as to what's going on in day to day life. I mean, when you look at the, the the decisions of the stimulus, when you print money out of thin air, what does that do it devalues the ones you have in your pocket and so just little things like that where we were so disconnected from reality um and, and you see it in the safety side too you see it in the safety world you know there's so many things out there you look at cars i'll give you an example uh the people drive faster they swerve more they tailgate more because the cars stop faster they accelerate faster they handle better so the better the car is manufactured the worse the wreck when one one's had you're kind of in the same spot in the in the safety world and everything else
1: well, let, me, let me ask you this so uh, I was talking with folks in the industry and uh, there were limits on how many people could go out and there there were uh, lots of changes being made to how uh, people were doing the business um, what sort of long-term impacts in the safety side are we going to see as a result of COVID Are is there going to be more uh, you know, people being present is always necessary, but there's more technology being used. There's these transitions that are happening to make uh, make it less necessary for as many people to be out at one time. I mean,
2: what sort of things do you think are going to be
1: permanent with some of these changes?
2: So I'm, I'm going to say two parts to that, and then I'll give one example. Um, so the acceptance of risk. Due to COVID and the separation of people and the social distancing, and even though people have no no clue what they're doing, they just social distance. What does that even mean? Um, They're limiting people in vehicles. They're limiting people on job sites. What you're seeing is people working by themselves more often, which we called lone worker before. Uh, Now they're working by themselves. They're taking risks. They didn't need to simply because they didn't feel like going through the process of getting somebody to come help them. So that that's a challenge, but moving forward in the future, uh, there's a lot of things that we're going to see, uh, such as masks. Uh, and me personally, I can't wear a mask. If I have to go in somewhere and put one on for a little bit, I'll put it on just long enough to get in and get out. But man, I start building up fluid, and it it, it I go to coughing, and it's the weirdest thing. I never in a million years, which I wear respirators, but for whatever reason, those little paper mask things, they build up moisture, and it drives me crazy. So you're gonna have respiratory issues for sure. There's a lot of people out there having those. Um, but then I asked, I went to Starbucks this morning to get a coffee, and the lady said, Sir, you need to put your mask on. I said, Okay. Uh, what if I've already had it and I had the shots? Well, you still need a mask. I says, was it like masks forever? Is that is that the thing? I would just that's it, no end in sight. And she's like, Well, I just work here. <laughs> And that's the problem. As, as an employer, I'm, I'm hiring you to make me better. And you tell me you just work. I just I can't accept that. So um, I think we're going to have issues with with the health part. And then uh, long term, these masks are are, are just going to mess people up. It's psychologically you have mental health issues now. I saw a certification the other day where people are getting certified in mental health and suicide watch prevention. Which its name in itself is odd uh, suicide watch prevention. But it's just a it's just a different world. It's it's a totally different world. Everybody's trying to get their minds around. But moving forward, you're just gonna have a reduction in the amount of work you can actually do until they lift these restrictions. So you're gonna slow down production, which we're already slow. Um, and with it with it the way it's stated that it's a recordable if they catch it at work, if if you can verify that it was caught at work that being a recordable now it you're going to have non-reporting. And then uh, that in itself leads to, if you're going to non-report on that, why not non-report on something else? And so it's going to mess up your stats, uh, to see what leading indicators are and, and what leading injuries are. And there, there's so many ways you can dive into how this is going to affect our workforce and what we do day to day.
0: Yeah. So we'll let you, um, Go after this question. Um, so or, or let you
2: kind of push where pe- people want to go after this question. But um you what know, I thing- like. I was not prepped for these and I, I like these very much. I mean, I I, I wouldn't want to go sit down and have dinner with you guys. This, this uh, <laughs> listen, you're welcome to buy. We're not gonna stop. I, 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 I'm all in for that. I, I um I like this. So
0: one of the things that Josh and I have said from, you know, we're at what, how many episodes, Josh, 190, something, I don't know. Six. 196. You know, we've been very clear on our messaging. I don't know, early on. You know, we're very much a small government libertarian mindset. And what that means is that if you want to keep the government out of your business, you got to do things the right way. And if you don't do things the right way, they're going to come. And it's not doing them the right way to keep the government out of your business. I mean, that's part of it it's because you should be doing them the right way anyway. It's like, that's, that's how you should do things. So you talk about kind of the, the, the dichotomy right now where companies, you know, they're trying to figure out and I could get the fear of, you know, you being concerned that, you know, an employee gets COVID at your, or, or believes they got COVID at, at the office. And uh, I'm not a con, I'm not a uh, professional contract tracer, but um, what little I do know of, it seems that it'd be pretty suspect because you know maybe they call it at your office or maybe they call it at Starbucks that morning or wherever, but there's a lot of fear there. So, How do you advise people right now, whether it's COVID or injuries, just to make sure that they're taking care of their employees they're creating a safe environment um, so that they don't find the wrath of the government on them later on? And they're also doing the right thing by their employees. So uh, we'll let you kind of wrap up with that. And then um, the second part is where can people find more about your company or yourself. Where
2: do you want to point them to? (laughs) Yeah, so. The last one's easy. Where to find us and more about us. Um so where do we go from here? Uh to wrap up what you said. Is that is that what I'm hearing? The question is is where do we go from here?
0: Well, I mean, you, you said that one of the concerns is that people aren't reporting things. Um, uh, well, we know we know where that trajectory is. They're not reporting things. That's lawsuits, that's more regulation. How do they balance that? Whether well, they're doing right by their employees, um, to try to make sure that their employees are being taken care of, but they're also you know, like I do with this government reality. So how do we balance this, this work environment over the next six to eight months or year or however long this thing lasts?
2: Yeah. So, so just care about your people. That's it. So due diligence in the courtroom is a real thing. Due diligence. As long as you're doing your best trying and you actually care, that's going to make more room on your bottom line than probably anything else. A lot of companies, they get so caught up in all the bull crap and all the regulation. And what do I do here? What do I do there? It, it's a funny little thing, but if you just care about your people, it all comes out in the wash. It works out. I think that's going to be the hardest thing because when it, on the contact tracing, I don't, we, we do contact tracing for facilities and companies all over the nation and you can make that go any way you want to. I mean, there's no, if you just care about your people, what works best for you? You know, one of our clients the other day they sent out a survey to the entire company, just saying, "Hey, what do you feel about?" And asked a few questions: How do you feel about the vaccination? How do you feel about wearing masks? How do you feel about the mandate being lifted? How do you feel about? And just asking some questions. If you just take take the time to care and ask those questions, you can move more freely as an organization, uh, and that's that's the best way to take care of your people. Find out what they're thinking, because right now, as leaders it's really hard to make a decision in the best interest of your people and not hear complaints you know for me i lead praise and worship at a couple of churches and uh, i'm a pastor um, so you're never going to have a 100 happy congregation you're going to have 50 people come up and absolutely love it and 50 come up people come up and tell you how much i hate it and, and you're wrong in something so just if you truly care find out what they're wanting from a survey stance uh, and move on and do the best you can because CDC changes regularly, um, the WHO changes regularly, local governments are changing. You can't keep up; it's absolutely impossible to keep up. So, do the best you can to protect them. The best you can do due diligence. You know, put out your your COVID questionnaire. Which if somebody needs one doesn't have one, let me know and I'll be happy to have some of my, somebody from my team send them a COVID questionnaire. But be doing those daily um, and just do what you can to make sense as long as you're doing your due diligence and you're trying your best and, and following protocol and you can show where you got that information from that you were following, you're good.
0: Okay. And where can people who want to reach out, reach out to.
2: So I'll give you my website and it's www.zalemo.com. Z-A-L-E-M-O. Uh, it's on LinkedIn under Zalemo Corporation. Um, we have 10 locations, Right or right? Ten in the U.S. now? Yeah, ten locations in the U.S. now. We have one in Edinburgh, Scotland. Uh, We're in the process of opening one in Perth, Australia, and Switzerland. Um, But, yeah, that's the easiest way is on our website, just www.zalamo.com.
0: Okay, and we'll pull the curtain back here for half a second. Cody was scheduled to come on with us about a month ago or three weeks ago when the the Arctic blizzard rolled through (laughs) and – and we yeah. prevented us from having this, um, this. So, Cody, thank you for your flexibility and your team for getting this rescheduled. Brian Mon sends out a thank you from the inside, uh, the old Mon himself. Um, Alamo.com yeah. is the website. That's Z-A-L-E-M-O.com. We'll link to it in the show notes. Cody, thank you. Look forward to get you on yeah. again in the future.
2: Hey, do I have an opportunity to share one thing? Yes. You got uh, one minute, two minutes. Go ahead. All right. So one of the things I want to touch on, if you're going to look us up uh, and a lot of people kind of glaze over this, um, we are 100 percent a faith based organization. And our whole purpose is changing the way business is done. Um, You know, you're talking about limited government and doing the right thing. Uh, Those are our key tenets and core values. Uh, I got tired of seeing companies plunder and pillage. I tell my team all the time, just just be a man, do your job. You know, just just do right by people, build trust, do the right thing, um, and I think if we had more organizations taking that mantra and it being about supporting people instead of making money, we'd be a lot better off.
0: Gosh, it sounds like we found our new sponsor for the show. <laughs> 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 no, again, thank you so much for coming on. It was wonderful. Uh, we'll get you on again in the future. Thanks, guys. Enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks, Cody. All right,
1: Mister Shelton,
0: what else we got, brother?
1: Uh, let me pull up my, my notes here. We did that. We did that. While
0: we're doing that. Don't forget our sponsor is the War Room Newsletter. You can go to warroomnewsletter.com or you can check out the discount code in the show notes. I think it's 30% off, Josh. Just giving away money, giving away dollars, hard-earned dollars. We're giving them away. And if you want to bring back Nate Hanson, Nate Hanson, then that's fine. However, if you're like, listen, I would like to support you guys, but I just can't support bringing back Nate. We understand that. That makes a lot of sense. Just let me
1: know. We'll, we'll keep Nate out of the loop. We'll, we will not attribute
0: your dollars to the Nate Hanson campaign.
1: All right. We got, uh, for the Texas roundup, we have two stories uh, I wanted to mention real quick. ConocoPhillips resumes $1.5 billion share buybacks on capital discipline pledge. And uh, second, Shell giants proving opec right this was an interesting article we talked about if texas was gonna meet the challenge that was kind of put in in an indirect way from the saudis were they gonna go in and drill baby drill uh, and uh, and put the squeeze on on the saudis or would the saudis uh bet that we were not and could not do that were they right and uh and so what this article says is that um OPEC is being proved right right now and I wonder if that has anything to do with some of these safety regulations that are still in place uh, because if they lift those I would wager that you'd probably see OPEC uh, probably go ahead and put a couple barrels back on the market Yeah, uh, I, mean,
0: I, just, I keep going back to it maybe I'm crazy I just think that OPEC doesn't believe the demand's back and so um, and you know listen even if they believe the demand's back they kind of threw down the gauntlet for us here in Texas and I uh, said, hey, you know, Drill Baby Drill is not back. And so far, so far, they're We'll right. Right. They see. meet again in just a few weeks. And that's the thing. And I said this on Energy Week a few months ago is that, you know, them meeting monthly, it might actually be the deterrent. So if you're a big bank and you're going, hey, uh, you know, Pioneer, or whoever's calling us up, they're looking for money. It's like, hmm, I'm not sure because the Saudis will be meeting again here in 30 days. I'm not sure I want to actually give you money because by the time you get out there,
1: you start drilling, We need longer-term commitments.
0: Yeah, the Saudis could change their minds. So I think this was a shrewd move by the Saudis. I think last December I said that on on Energy Week. um, And I think it's paid off for them. We'll see if it continues to do so. But with that, Josh, that is it. We'll be back next week. Hopefully get the rig links thing worked out. Been texting with Greg uh, while we're on the show trying to figure out what's going on. Can't figure it out. I don't know. But until then, keep climbing.